0: Oh, really? Okay. I just feel like I can't. I'm not loud enough. But so if, if
1: I'm loud enough, is that okay? Am I loud enough? Okay. <laughs> okay. And you're listening to. FM, The Wellness Couch at uh, 3ABR. And we're your hosts, Katerina and Brett Morrison. And what a night we have for you. We've got such a treat for you tonight. Um, Ex-Apollo Bay, we have Kate. Um, Kate Dubois on. Now, Kate has, um, a lot of people will know Kate, she's uh, been in Apollo Bay for uh, 35 years. Five years ago, she uprooted her life and made the move to Bali. So let's welcome Kate, let's give her a great big hand. Yay, Kate, how are you going?
2: Kate, how are you going?
0: I'm really good. I'm, I'm sitting in my patio in beautiful sunny Bali, feeling nice and warm and happy to be alive, grateful to be alive. Great spot yeah. to be on. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. Yeah. It's really beautiful to be able to share my story um, about the book with my community that I love for so long and still love now.
1: <laughs> and and what's been great about you? I mean, you've been here for thirty five years. You uprooted your life um, five years ago, made that move to Bali, Indonesia, and you know it took you away from your family, your friends, everything you actually knew that kept you safe and everyone you knew as well. Um, but you created a new vibrant life in Bali, and it healed what needed healing. And what emerged is this fantastic book. I've finally finished it tonight, um, which was a great book. It's such a joy. It's, such, it's going to add so much value to everyone's life. It's triggered as, um, well, I can't actually say the word Can online. Can we say it on community right so, Yeah, Probably yeah. Not. So um, <laughs> F, you know, it sounds like duck. Ex- extremely. F, yeah.
0: yeah, extremely <laughs> triggered.
1: Yeah. All right. So... <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean how did that book come about Kate? Let's go into your history. How did you create one of these okay. fantastic yeah. um, books that's going to help um, you know our community?
0: Yeah I I was um, laying on a lilo um, which was the shape of a great big green leaf um, in the pool in Bali <laughs> in the first uh, three months of COVID and I got this kind of, I guess you could call it download, um, that I had this information that I'd been building on for many years um, as a yoga teacher and yoga teacher trainer. And um, I wanted to write a book. So I just started to put a book together, which is called Transform You Life, According to Kate. And one of the uh, chapters was called Triggers. And so the more I started to develop the content for that book, the more I was looking at Triggers um, and thinking, wow, this information is really, really powerful and I'd like to share it. So I decided to create a webinar um, and uh, get online and start to share it with the world. So people outside of Bali and, and I had about 80 people dialing in from all over the world just for that first webinar and then I ran it again and it was successful and then I decided to um, shift it into um, a workshop called Triggered and I created a workshop and started to present it around Bali to groups of people, and it was always really well-received, and I noticed that people's, uh, there was a lot of silence, you know, and I could see a lot of recognition of um, people understanding, I guess, um, from the information of the workshop that, that they were, in fact, involved in the triggers that were um, coming up for them rather than at being other people's faults, which I can talk a a little bit about later. Um, And so from that, I thought, wow, this is really a book on its own and and the sort of book that I feel um, could actually be like a little handbook that you could keep with you over time, right, and maybe go back to a bit like The Way of the Superior Man. We just go back and read it year after year, right? Um, And as you know, Katarina, you've just finished it. It doesn't actually take that long to read, but I, I have heard from quite a few people that they've read it um you know three times over in in a short period of time just to really allow the information to sink in so um that's how the book came about the name uh triggered as seriously my next question (laughs) (laughs)
1: um
0: that came about after i came home in the second year of covid and i went camping with Dion and Steph and Camille and uh, and Tristan and we were all up in um, Northern Territory and Dion when he was younger always had this way of being able to um, push my buttons and on this particular day he really pushed my buttons and I, and I came away thinking wow the intensity of what I was feeling um, it's not just being a little bit bothered or even just being triggered this is serious you know this is serious trigger there was a serious trauma that was laying inside of me that dormant I guess that um I hadn't managed to to um integrate despite all the work I've done here in Bali to try to um evolve I had there was definitely um a piece and there'll always be something right but there was a piece of me that hadn't actually been able to integrate uh, a shadow side or a darkness and Dion had had you know opened that wound up for me in such a beautiful way that i decided to change the name to um what it is now yeah which and we can't say
1: yeah, yeah. well you know seriously I'm, i just look at the table of contents and that that book kept me intrigued a way throughout like i couldn't put it down and you've got some um, fantastic chapters you know what can triggers look like what uh why do they keep occurring you've got the pain the path of pain the path of fear i mean obviously um uh right into today's happenings, what is occurring, particularly in the last two years. Um, There's so much projection out there. Um, In fact, um, our environment, individuals and the family around us primarily act as a mirror for our triggers and and what shadow work that we can actually focus on. So there's chapters that you talk about that in your book.
0: Yeah, I think that most people don't understand that When we're in projection, so projection is um, blaming someone else, like, and it looks like you made me, or or, um, you know, actually blaming somebody else for the way that you feel or you're experiencing the world. Um, When we're projecting onto other people, we are constantly in pain, and there's actually no way out of the pain until we understand that projecting onto somebody else or something else is just a way of the ego stopping us from being able to see what needs to be healed or integrated. And so when I say healed or integrated, I don't really like to use the word healing because I actually don't think there's anything wrong with anyone. There's just a misunderstanding. However, um, I think integration is a better word. And so I think that, um, yeah, when we start to take responsibility for our part in a situation, or an experience or a a relationship, then we stop being in that projection mode. And once we start taking full responsibility and really understanding what that means at a soul level, we can actually start to navigate the world in a lot more peaceful way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it (laughs) does, Kate. And, like, I think that's really part of that spiritual Mm -hmm. maturity, isn't it? Because, like, I know... There's a lot of people that may have a spiritual practice, like and, and like yoga is a spiritual practice. Going to church can be a spiritual practice, but quite often you can see people in those practices who still get triggered and they just lose their crap everywhere, and that doesn't yeah it doesn't ex- come across as expressing themselves as a spiritual person. But once you understand your triggers and you, like you said, you can heal those, integrate those, understand those. That spirituality or being yeah. a spiritual person as opposed to you know, having a spiritual practice, I guess, is, well, for me anyway, it's about being able to have your keep your center when everything around you is falling apart. So if you've got these external factors that are going on and things are stressful, you can still be calm, respectful, and keep true to yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm in alignment yeah. with you too, Kate. I think that our environment can act as a mirror, so no one can actually make you feel anything, you do that um, by yourself, like you said, and this is what we call that actual trigger, whatever comes up. But these triggers or people can actually literally be gifts, you know, or opportunities for us to actually expand, change, um, and, and actually heal. And this is what you actually primarily state throughout the book too. So it's a, it's a real jewel. It's a real um, book that helps people actually heal while they're reading. Yeah. Yeah
0: well a lot I think there's a lot of recognition right of our part in it so I I think one of the things I say in the book is that when somebody triggers you it's a gift in strange wrapping paper and with my um, now ex-husband rob when when we would trigger each other we'd have this beautiful practice of saying I'm really triggered at the moment um you didn't do anything it's not your fault but whatever you did or said has actually triggered something inside of me and I'm going to go and take some time out to work out what that is and I'll get back to you. So you allow the other person not to feel like they're being attacked. Um, It takes, you know, that takes a lot of work to get from the point of not um, spontaneously combusting and attacking the other person when you want to lose your shit. And to be fair, I still lose my shit, don't worry about that. But I do it far less often and it's like... You know, I wouldn't like to say it's once every uh, six months, but it feels like that. I really, wow. there's not a lot that really bothers me because I've really worked very hard to recognize yeah. Yeah. when I'm being triggered by my t- external environment. Um, that it's something inside of me that still is yet to be integrated. And what if, what we found as a couple is that it, it was just. It was a really beautiful way of us actually being able to relate to each other and not feel like we'd done something to hurt or cause somebody else to in pain because um, one of my other favourite sayings is anything other than love that I feel for yeah. you is my stuff <laughs> and anything other than love you feel for me is yours yeah. and we've really got to take full responsibility because in that responsibility we have to... Um, even walk back further and see what our intention was. So, for example, you might come into the room and say, um, you know, to your partner, where did you go today, right? Now, your partner may just innocently be thinking you're asking an innocent question. Oh, I went to lunch with a friend. But that, you know, the other partner might be thinking underlying intentionally I wonder if they were with somebody that I didn't want them to be with. So they had a different intention. And then all of a sudden, this seemingly normal conversation could turn out to be a full-blown argument where somebody's quite triggered by maybe even being questioned where they're going or, you know, so we have to really see what our intention is before we um, start communicating with other people. Because sometimes we we are almost intentionally triggering other people so <laughs> um, to, to stay in that drama too. Yeah.
1: In an adult, what does a trigger look like just for our audience?
0: Well, I think it can be lots of things. I mean, the most obvious one is just really losing your shit, screaming at somebody, maybe lashing out. It could be physical violence, verbal abuse. It could be... Um, if you're triggered by somebody you might want to name call them like something like um or you're just a narcissist or um you're stupid or that you know it could be something like that it could be actually running somebody down it could be silence it could be giving someone the silence treatment it could be storming out the door and slamming the door I remember when Camille was little she had a couple of girlfriends come over and they would walk off in a huff and slam the door like whoa where did that come from but it's like often that's very learned behavior but it's also Mm. um it it is there's something inside of them where they haven't actually learned to be able to regulate their response to something that feels uncomfortable and usually it's because um that discomfort perhaps they've been taught to push it down and not actually look at it and identify it and be okay with it, right? We have to be okay with the darkness. We have to be okay knowing that there is always going to be opposites. There's always dark and there's always light. And both of those aspects are part of us um, and that will never change. But what we have to do is when we see guilt, we have to step into it and accept it, love it, forgive it, and and see it as a part of ourselves rather than pushing it deep down into our stomach that can cause something like, you know, stomach cancer or something that's going to make you sick later on in life. We really need to to be quite aware of what it is that we're not looking at, what darkness are we hiding um, because that will come up as triggers, you know.
2: Yeah, that shadow side is really interesting, isn't it, Kate? Because a lot Mm. of people do try to avoid it and other people get stuck in it as well. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, there's that, you know, like says said, it's part of us I and mean, we should see it and embrace it. And I think, you know, they talk about, you know, especially like martial arts and samurai swords, you know, you, the sword goes through the fire and gets tempered by the flame. Um, and that's yeah. know, very similar to us. We need to go through that fire, which is that dark side sometimes of knowing what our not so positive attributes are facing them yeah and working through them
0: i think yeah i think that um the the fear of seeing the darkness is much worse than when you actually step into it (laughs) so it's the fear that holds us back um from being able to actually go and see those sides of us you know i i've seen sides of myself that i don't particularly like but now i love and embrace them um you know, as a human design projector for six, I can be quite <laughs> bitter when people don't take my advice, yeah. you know. And, of course, nobody wants to see themselves as a bitter person, but I now see that. I acknowledge it. I accept it when it comes up. I just give it more compassion and more love, yep. yeah. and I don't try to push it away. Um, you know, I just see it as an aspect of me, and I'm happy with that. I'm not unhappy with it. I, don't, I can't change it. That's, you know, it's who I am. And um, I was born like that, you know. And I see it, and I can, and I can really use it to help myself evolve as a better version of me.
1: That's that's fantastic. And and it's interesting. You made a point about you know Camille had um, her friends over, and someone slammed the door, and that could be um, modelling behaviour, you know, that they've seen around. The, but um, we're conditioned from the moment that you know from inception. Um, and I think because children look up to us and looking for our behaviour all the time. It's actually essential to teach our children to self-regulate their emotions and reactions in an actual healthy way. We're always sort of on stage for them.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, we we it, it is a case with young children, particularly of monkey see, monkey do. But what most people on the planet don't really understand is that we have two minds. We have a physical mind and we have a higher mind. And unfortunately, the physical mind, which is our um, unconscious or subconscious self, is running the show, you know, probably 95 to 99% of the time. And our conscious mind or our higher mind is really only active when we're (laughs) asleep. And it's the one that's a quite constant voice saying, um, as Glennon Doyle says in her book, Untamed, not this, not this, it's just constantly they're guiding you and telling you which way to turn but the ego the stronger the one that is um infused by everybody else's opinions government school um what we see on tv in the media and everything else right from when we're born um is the loudest voice and that's the one that most people follow and that's the that's the physical mind and um if we could only teach children that there is this higher self-mind, the mind that is actually there to keep them safe, it will never, ever leave you, it will never, ever hurt you, it won't try to direct you, it won't try to tell you what to do in a forceful way, but it, it's constantly there loving you and showing you in a guiding way, you know, leaving breadcrumbs on the trail really oh, beautiful. of, of <laughs> the way to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, obviously... Yeah. Um, you know, how it triggers a result because I'm, I'm looking um, at the contents actually of your book and I'm wondering how it triggers the result of past traumas you know and the shadows that we actually collect on our journey and so why do they hurt so deeply?
0: Okay, I think they hurt so deeply because um, there's a part of our a, a aspect of us that remembers that trauma that this is in the subconscious or unconscious mind, right, and we're not ready perhaps to bring it to the surface or to actually see it. And, and definitely we need to be um, to use this sense, this idea of wise progression when we're going through this healing or integration work. You don't want to go and whack it all out in one day. You need to be gentle because sometimes, and I know this happens for me often, is sometimes it's just stuff I cannot see, but I can give you a really great example that, you know, I, I often use um, what I'm banging up against, um, to help myself see what actually needs to be healed in me and I have this theory or belief that you you can't experience it if it's not part of you so I had this friend that was she always seemed to be complaining like complaining a lot you know and then I realized very quickly that it was an aspect of me that I hadn't yet integrated because there is a part of me that does complain sometimes. And so I've started this new practice the last probably three months (laughs) Um, (laughs) instead instead of saying like if you go to a restaurant, someone says, how was it? Yeah, it was great. But, you know, the waiters could have been a little bit more polished or something. Now I say, yeah, it was great. The food was amazing, full stop. know the waiters could actually do with a bit more training because they're just it's just a statement it's not a complaint when you put but you know i feel like but is always the the um it's the word that can have a really negative connotation so another example is um you know i could have the man of my dreams but um, I'm not smart enough or pretty enough or tall enough or short enough or whatever, you know. Um, the word but is actually showing you your limiting belief about yourself. And the limiting belief is usually come from a trauma. So another great example is, um, you know, I had clients, one of, the, one of the common things that would come up is um, nobody respects me. And it's like, okay, well, do you actually respect yourself? And we do muscle testing around that, and it's, the answer is very clearly no. Well, if you have the energy that you don't respect yourself, that is what you're actually going to get back because we are actually creating um, through this illusory mind the world that we're actually experiencing. So we have a choice in any moment to actually change what we're experiencing. So... Um, you know, there's lots of people that are always looking for a partner. And unfortunately, when I muscle test and do the kinesiology with females, this is quite often a fail for women when you ask mm. them, um, Are they worthy of love? And a lot of women oh. don't believe they are worthy of love mm. because of a past trauma. Okay. And it switches off something in their mind. And then if you're walking around, I say to them, If you're walking around with the energy that I'm not worthy of love, then guess what? You're not going to, it's not going to show up for you. And so once we change that through kinesiology or tapping or, you know, other techniques, sometimes it just takes shining the light on that, you know, within days that they have somebody showing up for them, you know, in a beautiful way. And I just see it over and over and over again. So we can use the world around us as our mirror to see what actually needs to be healed within.
2: Yeah, I know in coaching we say that you can't see anything in others that isn't within ourselves so if something is happening that we like you said we're not happy with it's just a reflection of who we are um and essentially like yeah I, and I, we, we yeah. have
0: to be a lot more global with it too yeah, i mean this mm. this is like you, we're talking about relationships that people in front of us and maybe the person that's closest to you or you know often there's young girls with mothers and young men with their fathers the, the, that trigger that the way that they're triggering you is is a gift as we said before but look outside of that and look at the the um, the work that you're choosing to do and the the boss or the CEO that you've um, manifested they're they're going to be showing you and guiding you through triggering you you know if, if things are difficult at work rather than projecting and saying well um, I'm being bullied by my manager then it it is probably showing you an aspect of yourself that you haven't been able to heal from a past trauma um if we look even more globally at war and
1: Mm, collectively of thinking that
0: yeah at collective consciousness you know i had this really big realization during covid that i was really angry about particular government lying and i realized that it was actually coming from inside of me that there've been many times that i have lied to myself in terms of not being authentic and once i integrated that and changed it actually the next time i looked at that government the feeling was all gone the rage and the you know projection was completely gone so I, i'm not quite sure that people understand that we are all part of mm. the one collective mm. Yeah. And that if we can see this on a bigger scale, the only reason that there is war and um, mayhem and all of this stuff that's been going on, particularly the last two years, but also the last, you know, thousand years is because there's projection. People aren't coming back to home, to that home base and they're not um, healing or integrating those parts of themselves that they have abandoned Because we're already whole. There's, like I said in the beginning, there's nothing actually wrong with us. It's the illusion of the mind that there's something wrong.
1: Yeah. And we talk about, um, like when we talk about collective and you talk about, you know, people going through emotions for thousands of years, it brings me back to the ancestral healing, which, um, you know, and Mm. the latent impressions that we actually can hold on to. So sometimes when ancestors haven't... um, they haven't got rid of their emotions. They haven't dealt with it correctly. It, it becomes a residue and it actually comes through in the DNA. Um, and, and people can actually inherit from their parents. You know, like it, it's been shown scientifically that, you know, 13 to 14 generations can actually be affected um, by emotional or, or, or mental um uh, constitutions um, and, and people react to to things they don't even know why they're reacting but they have those triggers mm-hmm. um, and I explain to mm-hmm. people those little icons that like on a computer something happens you get that mm-hmm. little icon on a computer and if it's not dealt with mentally or emotionally it actually stays in the background mm-hmm. like a program and it actually starts manifesting um, and mm-hmm. it depends where the weakness is in the body where that actually is generated mm-hmm. so um, it's one of those things that you shouldn't really you know. run away from. It's one of those things that just face the fear and let's go for it.
0: Oh, Absolutely. I often see that coming up in um, kinesiology or counselling sessions that people are often confused or perplexed because they seem to appear to have had a great childhood with a really loving set of family and no trauma, no rape, nothing like that, but then yet there is this overwhelming sense of fear or anxiety or something that they don't understand where it comes from and when we do the muscle testing we actually get back to a wound that is a grandparent or um, or perhaps you know even further back and it's interesting how often epigenetics plays out you know Um, obviously there's cultural um, trauma as well and triggering that can go on Just through through cultures like in India with the caste system, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, People can be very triggered um, because of those particular situations, particularly if your worldview doesn't identify with the lot that you've been given, right, because we all have a different worldview. And we do have a different worldview because we're all experiencing life through our own illusion. (laughs) So we're all creating these beautiful lives through our perception and um, experience and and no two people can ever ever um, imagine anything to be identically the same.
2: Yeah and well, I might just touch on one of the points you made in your book there Kate too talking about um, there's no right or wrong necessarily and you, know, you, you talk about people's perception and quite often we judge people based on our perception of the world, not on their perception of the world. And so we're making judgments mm, against mm. them and they don't even know what those judgments are because they don't know mm. what our perceptions of the world are. And so, like you said, we, we can then get triggered by that and take it out on them and they're just looking at us going, mm. what the hell is going on? Um, and so it comes down Absolutely. to that, that, that maturity of understanding that well, we have our view of the world, but that doesn't make another person's perception of the world wrong um, and they're entitled to their view. We may not, not agree with it and we don't have to agree with it, but I think you know, part of that is having the respect for the individual to go, well, that's your view and I don't need to be upset by that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think it means that you necessarily have to have that person in your life.
2: Exactly. If yeah. it's triggering
0: mm-hmm. you, you completely. Can- continuously then you need to not look so much at their behavior but what is it um unraveling inside of you so you know um i think yeah we we have to allow people to have their experience uh, the way that they're seeing it or feeling it and otherwise if we don't that's actually gaslighting If, if someone's saying to you I'm I'm experiencing this, and you say, "Well, no, you're not." Ooh, then that's yeah. that's that's yeah. a definition of gaslighting. Yeah. And I think that, um, and again, you don't need to stay, particularly if you're talking about in a relationship. You don't need to stay in the relationship if it gets too hard. But you do need to see if it is an aspect of you that is just being um, is being, uh, like, yeah, triggered because you know. Often I've seen people, and I know myself in the past, I've created boundaries, right, um, and they were boundaries created from trauma. So there's boundaries that keep you safe, particularly in the short term, and there's boundaries that some people put in place long term. Um, but some boundaries, the ones that have, have been created from trauma aren't necessarily going to be very helpful in life, you know it could help you it could so it could make you have a very contracted life if you're living your boundaries from trauma so i had an experience where i didn't really trust women for a really long time and there's all sorts of reasons there was modeling and and all sorts of things reasons why that was true and also um schoolyard sort of thing so i had a boundary, really, mm. that um, I didn't make relationships with women that I would prefer to make relationships with men that I, I found them a lot easier. Yeah. You know, and I laugh when I think about that because <laughs> I run re- women's groups here now and I feel very comfortable and safe with women. But it was from trauma that I'd come up with this boundary that I didn't trust women, so I didn't really want to make, you know, life relationships with other women
1: and, and that's something um that you do mention in your book too so I love the example that you bring up um, with that with that cultural aspect where um you know mm-hmm. they, they tend to build their your army and you enlist the soldiers you know <laughs> <laughs> about, yeah it's,
0: yeah we all do that I mean you know if somebody has um offended you or affronted you it's very rarely do we just keep it to ourselves um because you know, we'll usually go and tell somebody else and they'll go, oh, yeah, God, that was exactly like that. They were like that when I said something to them too. And so you already have an army of one and then maybe, you know, then you go and say it to somebody else then you have an army of two. And once you get a, a big enough army, you can actually go to war against that person and then the relationship's probably over. But the minute that you... Have the urge to go and tell somebody else that mm. story. You're already rejection and not taking responsibility for <clears throat> what um, what is actually going on, um, or what your intention was even um, of of stepping into that situation, that job, that relationship. You know, um, if if you're stepping into a job with the intention that you just want to make money, you don't really care. And then all of a sudden things just aren't really working out in the job and then your boss comes to you and says, look, you know, I feel like things aren't um, working out so well. Um, Then you could be inclined to go and tell other people about them and maybe run them down or find some story that's, that's not so pleasant about that person without actually looking at full responsibility that you didn't particularly want to go into that job anyway. You were just looking for money. Yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. not with the right intentions you
1: know yeah it takes a lot of dedication commitment to evolve doesn't it and um when we come back we'll, we're going to go to a break and uh uh when we come back um we'll talk about can we stop being triggered all right so we'll go to a okay. Break. okay. okay cool mm-hmm. Second, Brett Morrison. We're speaking to Apollo Bay resident from 35 years ago. Kate, are you there? Kate, you there? We've lost her. All right, maybe we'll go back to the break. Great ocean road. We're back with Kate. We've got her. We've found her again. (laughs) <laughs> that's a big country Bali We finally found you okay
0: It's very busy country at the moment <laughs> I can tell you there's the whole world's arrived in Bali
1: I can't blame them The God's borders country. have opened
2: up and the sun's come out
0: yeah actually the word Bali with using the Chaldean calendar um, spells the word love
1: so oh, could imagine cool. that yeah yeah Probably explains
2: why everyone goes there. <laughs>
1: Right, so we're talking about your book, uh, Triggered as Duck. Uh, that's yeah. what I'll say. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So um, obviously, like we said prior to the break, um, it does take a lot of dedication and commitment to evolve. So, how can we stop being triggered? How do we How do we expand that- and you know and and stop becoming triggered?
0: Yeah, I feel like the the first thing to do is to um, to find that um, unconditional love for yourself. So be really kind and and loving and and not so judgmental of yourself right and to understand vinyasa krama which means wise progression is that we we can't do it all the time so it's like an alcoholic when they take a drink rather than just thinking oh my god i'm useless i'll never get this when you slip up and you you lose your shit or you react in in a way and you miss that opportunity Um, Just look at yourself and the situation and be kind to yourself and just say, you know, it's like infant stages when you start doing this work and it doesn't take very long um, to start feeling better once you realize that you don't have to attack yourself every single time. You don't get it right, okay? So just being kind and gentle with yourself and taking the attitude of Vinyasa Krama just um, wise progression and allowing yourself to um, to not always get it right. That's that I'd say. That's kind of like the first steps. The other one is to be to be vigilant. And I have a daily prayer um, when I wake up, and I ask the universe or my higher mind or my guides, whatever it is that you want, if you have a god that you follow, to say, just show me what it is that I need to see to evolve. And it's a um, It can be a scary prayer sometimes because you do get what you ask for if you take the time to ask for it. And all of a sudden you might have somebody in front of you um, behaving in a way that doesn't feel very good, behaving in a way that is perhaps triggering you. But knowing with love and compassion for that person that they're just there to help you find your way back to home, back to your heart, right? And so... um, being grateful for all of those opportunities where life is tough or people are tough or experiences are tough. And, and um, using all of that stuff out there that bumps up against us as a, as a way to heal and to evolve. Yeah, that's, you know, um, that's what I do anyway and it works. It keeps me feeling very calm, very safe.
2: Yeah, I have a good friend who's um, very big in the coaching co- coaching world, and um, he talks about just what you just said. Then he goes, "The longest journey will take is from our head to our heart." And you, know, yeah. you talk about that high mind before the people getting stuck in in the analytical part of our head, mm, and we, we, do, don't we you know we and the ego keeps us there because it thinks it's keeping us safe. But that journey, even though it might only be like what six or eight inches can be the longest journey any, anyone will ever take because it is very confronting. It, it sounds simple yeah. to do, but to actually take accountability for all the, you know, for lack of a better word, the ugliness that we can project out on other people, like we have to own that. And then to say that that's ours and it's actually up to us to fix that, or well, fix is the wrong word because that would imply that we're broken, but yeah. to change that to become more secure, more at peace, more you know connected to who we are and who who we want to be can be very confronting yeah. for a lot of people um yeah, yeah. That, actually yep. the, the same friend actually yeah, in the last couple of weeks he, he <laughs> brought out a, a really great question um just around triggers actually so I, was, I thought that you know the the show was very timely he goes you know when you have those moments when someone cuts you off in traffic and you start flipping the bird and yelling and screaming or someone you know, it might be a family yeah. member or whatever it might be just take a step back and ask What's this person wanting from me? What do they what What are they trying to tell me? Um, mm. And and that's a really nice reflection to go. Hmm, what are they trying to tell me?
0: And yeah, well, if you if you're really honest and really in that mode of being able to yeah. take full responsibility, you'll realise that you were probably um, not present or maybe. Um, speeding or yeah. um, perhaps at, even at that moment thinking of something that was quite negative and a low vibrational thought um it, i love it here actually because we don't have road rage here and i, I often <laughs> people that Do you have very very skilled have road rules and the balinese just laugh at you like yeah. they like honestly you can almost have a head on and they just they just have the most beautiful smiles and yeah. Um, and and giggle and laugh it off and and then it allows you to giggle and laugh it off <laughs> as well you know i think um but it, it is that you know i feel like if we're um if we're in pain for sure it's because we're not taking responsibility we're not we're we're still in projection mode and there's all the stuff like if somebody is um you know i i know that this this is true is If you're, if somebody steals from you, it's people, I don't know, I don't ever get anything stolen from me because it's not a part of me. It's an aspect of me Mm -hmm. that I feel like, you know, I feel like if you've had something stolen from you, it's probably something that you haven't actually forgiven yourself for in the past or, um, but, but more than that, if you don't think that you're enough, then people that show up with you for you will actually, um, be projecting back to you that you're not enough so what we need to do is find all of our limiting beliefs you know and mm. when we start to find our limiting beliefs we find the highest opposite frequency thought about ourselves or a situation and then we can infuse that by tapping into our chest um, just below the collarbones the positive statement for about one and a half minutes and that can just change your brain mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we have a choice in that in that physical mind. We always have a choice to have a low vibrational thought or a high vibrational thought.
1: Mm. I love the chapter. So
0: it's being vigilant, right? Mm. Mm.
1: And I love the chapter. Obviously, you know, a lot of people have triggers around their parents, ex-boyfriend, husband, grandparent, boss, and they tend to blame them. Um, and you've got a chapter, do not call your parents. Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Of course, because that's what, you know, as soon as people find what the wound is, then they want to project and say it's somebody else's fault. Like, I, you know, I, it, it could be that I never felt um, like my, my mother spent enough time with me, you know. But, of course, your mother might have had other things in her life. She might have, in a particular situation, she might have had a miscarriage. And, of course, when you're very young, you don't really understand mm-hmm. things on mm-hmm. that level. Um, but there's other other perspectives and perceptions that play there of course from the mother's side and then also what it is that your soul needed to go through on this journey to evolve through um, to kind of come out to pop out the other side a little more cleanse and when we arrived here we I 100% believe that we have this soul journey that we came here to evolve through um, you know, it's situations so that we can become more and more pure. And I know for me it was my throat chakra, the first 28 mm. years of my life, I really didn't open my mouth, which would be hard for most people to believe now, but I literally was too terrified to open my mouth. And then giving birth to Dion, who was a huge baby, by the way, and this scream came from my throat, and I think I haven't stopped talking since, but... Um, <laughs> It's really that has been my life's work is to be able to express and freely express. You know that too, Katarina, about me that I still have these doubts about myself, even though I've come so far. There's still this ancestral wound that goes through that I don't feel authentic enough sometimes. And
1: well, we talk um, about stepping into your avatar, you know, it's right there in front of you and it's like a bodysuit waiting for you to actually step into and zip mm -hmm. up. Um, and own who you actually are. And so other people actually see yeah. you as amazingly beautiful and very talented and, you know, um, adding so much value to the community that you're always in. And then when you don't see yourself as that person, we sort of shake our heads mm-hmm. and, and we know what's waiting for you. So we get you to step in to what we call the avatar and zip it up and actually own it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I get, I'm get. i getting there, <laughs> but it is the limiting belief. So I work on this stuff t- last five years I had a lot of limiting beliefs about myself I was always very insecure and always felt like I was a lot lesser than anybody else and that the knowledge that I had I was too scared to even share it with other people because it felt so different to what was mainstream but it, it you know it's evolved that I actually do have deep intuition and often I have great knowledge about things or situations that can can help other people you know I, I just going back to what brett said before though we're very attached to western mind the western mind yeah. is very attached to this or that and i love the way that Bashar says there's no this or that it does not exist in the universe yeah there is this and that and you know once we all realize and understand that it's true <laughs> that we, we don't have to have an attachment to one way or the other, that no. there can always be another way because there is this and that, then we can start to let go of some of our attachments to these very old and archaic beliefs that we've been carrying with us about um, the way things should be.
2: Yeah, I guess that's the beauty of this thing that we call life, isn't it? As we go through and we work on one challenge and one limiting belief and then the next one as that, that comes up. And a lot of that comes up through self awareness and, and self reflection that we'll always keep mm-hmm. finding some. Um, and, you know, it's about bringing that to the light, being able to see it. Because quite often people go, Oh, I'm fine, but everyone looking at them can see all the <laughs> all the limiting beliefs that they're holding them in themselves. But at some point Yeah as we do this work on ourselves we become more aware or become aware of a new one. That has probably uh, has been with us all of our lives, but we've Onion just layers. never seen it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you Shrek? peel back, you peel back the layers, and and there's always something yeah, for us yeah, to continue definitely. to work on. And I think that's just the beauty of being able to accept ourselves and realize mm-hmm. and you know knowing ourselves that we're doing the best that we can with what we have.
0: So, so- I I love having people around me that keep me accountable. Like when I was going through um, my separation from my second partner Rob one of my girlfriends was walking with me on the beach one day and she said to me and when are you going to take responsibility for what your part in this and I was like "Ouch!" <laughs> and then I I quickly realized um you know I got out of my victim within seconds second and just said oh my god thank you so much that hit me like you know like a a, a brick against the against the head but It was exactly what I needed to hear because I was in projection mode and it was easier. Sometimes it's easier for us to project onto other people because then we don't have to do the work, right? If we make it everybody else's fault, everybody else's problem, it's just the government or it's just that country or it's that Mm. politician or that, that scientist or, you know, if we make it everybody else's problem, we're really missing the point that everything every single thing that we're seeing is a reflection of our internal landscape. And until we make the decision, which is just a choice to change that vibration to something that's higher yeah, than great. Um, the low vibrational thought that is projection and war, then none of us are going to be able to live in, in peace. And I'm not talking about airy-fairy peace. This is possible. You know, this yeah. is actually possible. If everybody does the work, we can get there really fast.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a great model I love, which is, you know, above and below the line thinking. And, you know, you go back to some of the things that you're talking about actually right up front about recruiting an army. And like so below the line, it's about, <laughs> yeah. you know, the negative yeah, thoughts, the victimhood, the blaming, you know, not taking accountability. And, you know, we often see that the people who are below the line, they do actively recruit. They want people to feel, you know, join their you know their pity party. Um, but also they want mm-hmm. people on board. So like you said, they can then go and attack the other person, whereas people above the line actually own their stuff. And, you know, the way it comes across, especially if you're trying to teach it in a workshop, people go, oh, that you know, it sounds like utopia above the line, but it, but it really isn't. You know, to own your mm-hmm. own stuff, you, you need to challenge yourself. You need to face yourself. You need to work through it yourself. And it's interesting that the people above the line don't generally recruit. They're happy to support mm-hmm. and encourage those who are doing the work. But they're yeah. happy within themselves that they don't feel the need to recruit. Mm, yeah. um, but they'll definitely yeah, yeah. give you as much time as you. They'll give they'll give all of their time if they see someone doing the work to change themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, doing this work, it's, it's very difficult sometimes because it's frustrating. You actually can see what needs yeah. to happen with somebody their level of awakeness and awareness that they need to bring to any situation, but. I also recognize that everyone's on their own journey and yeah. it needs to be th- this slow, you know, um, slow burn. So sometimes if I just talk exactly about that is just, you know, if you're in these low vibrational thoughts, you're still very much in that victim mode. You're still mm. stuck in that lower chakra, like the, I'm not sure how much people know about chakras, but you're in that very low root energy kind of um, yeah. space. And, Anything you can do to lift your vibration, so changing your thoughts, changing your behaviours, changing your patterns, um, changing the way that you see yourself, your worldview and other people, lifting the vibration higher um, is, is going to help not just you, but help the collective.
1: Mm. And like you say, it's our birthright to shine and thrive. And I'm so glad that you actually downloaded this information and you wrote it into a book ready to um, gift to the world. So um, let's talk about where we can actually access this, and, and where people can access you if they want to do this work on their shadow mm-hmm. side. Um, yeah. So, so okay. Facebook, websites, um, book. Let's let's talk about that.
0: Okay. Um, so I have a website that's about to be launched. I think it's in three days. It's been going through a reincarnation, and so that is <laughs> k is A reincarnation. Uh, that's Z A T. D-U-B-O-I-S dot com um, from there you'll be able to order the book um, from a link that is from Amazon I'm actually getting the book translated into Pahasa, Indonesia because wow. I work on Suicide Helpline here and there's a great need in the whole of Indonesia for this type of um, support I think for people um, and I also have an Instagram account which is Evolve with Kate and um I'm going to actually launch the book here live in Bali in Canggu on the 4th of September fantastic uh, um next Sunday the following Sunday so there'll be a live launch and from that date the book will actually be available but um I'll put a pre-order link between now and then on my Instagram so people can go in and pre-order it a lot cheaper (laughs) um if they've got a Kindle, I'm not doing any printed editions on Amazon yet, but um, I certainly have got some on the ground here in Bali and I might even get some into the a holiday bookstore um, when I come home in December. So
2: That'd be great. Yeah. So how can people reach out to you, Kate, if they want to join on one of your webinars? Is, is that something you advertise through your Instagram page?
1: Have you got any retreats coming? Do yeah, you? I think... I think probably
0: just going to my link tree through my mm-hmm. Instagram. My link tree um, just has all the information that is anything that's coming up. Yep. If I'm going to be doing any webinars, I'm actually about to start doing a whole series of videos for Fantastic. Um, YouTube, and I'm starting a um, oh, what you, a podcast next week. Actually, nice. I'm going into film in a studio here called Lighthouse Studios, and I'm starting a a regular. Um, podcast series that will be supported by youtube so yeah pretty exciting
1: stuff <laughs> is that an l in the background i'm sorry but <laughs> oh i know that we have the beautiful doves here okay just, cuckoo, cuckoo, all right yeah cuckoo, cuckoo. i just thought very appropriate you know the wisdom coming through i thought very appropriate <laughs> something like an, an, a jar yeah all right no, thank you the- so much <laughs> for coming on to our show and uh, downloading your wisdom thank it's you. been just fantastic and ever valuable as always
2: that hour has gone extremely quickly. Thank you. So yes. thanks so much, Kate. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks,
1: Brett. Thank you. Great to
0: hear from both of you again. Love your work and what you offer to the community.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. i talk to you Inspiring. soon, darling. Okay. Take Go care. See you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And you're listening to 87.6 FM, the Wellness Council. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great day. Bye-bye.